to another episode of the Freedom Talks podcast, everybody. This is your host, Joe Ogden. And on this week's episode, we'll be discussing some tips on how to make sure that you're recovering in the best way possible. And this can be applied to your daily life, daily workouts, or just after your physical therapy, home exercise given to you by your physical therapist. The tips that we're going to talk about today are sleep, which is critical, hydrating and eating properly to make sure we're fueling our body, passive and active recovery, as well as the last tip, which is there in the last portion of this podcast for a reason, is potentially taking time off because we potentially are overdoing things. So to start out with, sleep is critical. We need to make sure that we are getting at least seven to nine hours of sleep per night. Now, as we're younger, if you're a school age person or you have a child who's in you know middle school high school they need a little more so someone who is 6 to 13 it's recommended that you get 9 to 11 hours teenagers 8 to 10 hours and then from young adult on 7 to 9 hours until we reach about 65 give or take and then that changes to 7 to 8 hours so as we get older you need a little less but I always tell people 8 hours is kind of the sweet spot if you get 8 hours you kind of know you're in the middle of that window 7 is okay anything less than that six i think you can try and stretch things a little bit but that's you're teetering on the edge anything less than six hours of sleep we're in trouble in a sense of your body's not getting ample enough time to recover from a workout or just daily life and you're running on fumes people will say that you know your body gets used to it eventually which i think has some merit however based on basic physiology this is really hard for our body to keep doing this. When you run an engine on empty and run on fumes over and over and over and over again, eventually there's going to be some issues. So making sure we get that ample seven to nine hours. Again, I tell patients and tell people that I work with, eight hours is really your sweet spot. If you know that you're getting eight, you're right in the middle of that sleep window and you're getting for sure ample enough sleep. Now, something else with sleep that I've found to be really helpful is if you have a watch that tracks your sleep, something that I really like is my smartwatch that I use now. I use a Coro smartwatch now, but I've used Apple Watch and Garmin in the past is when I wake up in the morning, it's pretty accurate on when I went to sleep. Um, I've really tried in 2024. We're only in the first month, but um, I've been doing this since the middle of December is having a little better bedtime habits. Um, in the past, I've gone to bed and I've gone on my phone for you know 30, maybe 45 minutes to kind of wind down. And I really, really, really try to stop doing that because I think your bedroom is for sleep. So kind of getting in the habit of getting into bed and sleeping as quick as possible, I think is really important. I mean, you can still have your, you know, bedtime routine. But what I've tried to start doing is uh, use blue light glasses to kind of dim things down and dimmer lights, no direct um, light and, you know, read a book or just stay out in our living room for longer so that when you do go to bed, it's it's definitely bedtime. Um, Since I've done that, I really think my watch has been very accurate on tracking my sleep window. And with that, what I like to do is then cross-reference my app because it can track the different stages of sleep and then also gauge my recovery. I don't use that as the 
end-all be-all, but I like to cross-reference how I feel versus how it says on the app. So for instance, if it says I only got 20% recovery and I feel like I'm 100%, then I, I go with how I feel. For the most part, again, I, as you get used to it, it's pretty accurate, but just using that sleep on your watch, if you can track that, if you have one, fantastic. Check that out and see if that has a correlation with just how you're feeling. It's a good way to objectify how we're doing. Now, I should preface also, make sure that you're not just looking at your, if you're using your watch, don't just look at that number and say, well, I only got 20% recovery, so I didn't sleep enough. Use it as just a guide. All you're trying to do is get more information to try and objectify how you're feeling. The more we know and the better we can understand our own body, the better we're going to perform. And then when I say perform, that's not just in the sense of activity. That also is just daily life function, brain function to think during the day, to drive, put your pants on, and just be present in the day that you're having. The second tip that, again, I'm, I'm really passionate about this now. Um, most recently, I finished a certified nutritional physical therapist certification. Um, I've really gone down a deep rabbit hole with nutrition and eating because I think there's so many fads out there when it comes to dieting. And diet is always, 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 in my opinion, and I don't speak in absolutes, but if you look online and you see what people are doing, we talk about food in such a negative manner and we have such a negative connotation with how it affects our body. Don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this because it's bad for you. I've flipped it. Food is fuel for your body. In its most basic, basic, basic function, food is fuel. That's my motto. Food is fuel. You have to fuel your body with dense nutrients and good nutrition to perform at optimum levels. Again, what I just said before, it is not specifically for just working out and physical fitness. This also applies to our daily, daily life. So we need to make sure that we are tracking what we're eating. And it doesn't need to be exact calorie to calorie unless you want to do that. If you want to do that, fantastic. But we need to just have a general idea of the proteins, the carbs, and the fats that we're taking into our diet. So for instance, in my opinion, what I think is a really good start to what we're doing is about 45 to 50% of our intake should be carbohydrates. Now, depending on our activity level, if we're doing high intense activity, our carbs should be up because carbs are energy. Our fat distribution from there, I think, should be about 15 to 20%. So from there, we get to about 60% total. And from there, we should get 40 to 45% of protein intake. Protein is important for building muscle. So if you're trying to put on muscle, you're trying to lose weight, look at protein first. I'm not giving a specific recommendation and specific diet routine. This is just a general guideline of something to follow. So if we're trying to put on muscle, we're trying to lose weight, eat your protein first. As you eat protein, you'll become more full and that helps your body build muscle. The more muscle we have, the less fat we get. And when I say that, I mean actual fat in the body. So when you take in protein first, makes you more full and that also burns the fat in our body. So if we're trying to lose fat, eat more protein. Um, carbohydrate also gives us an adequate amount of energy. Carbohydrates can come from potatoes, rice, grains. We want to make sure that it's a dense protein. Um, sometimes refined carbs like bread, sometimes our body has a hard time developing and moving through that and actually creating that inner energy. So what we want to make sure is we have clean, full proteins and carbohydrates and clean fat intake, such as anything from an avocado to nuts. 
really important to make sure that we are getting in an adequate amount of protein um, and fat. So something that I also like to focus on is good, whole, dense food. So for me, I eat a lot of beef, chicken, just straight protein, as well as wild game. I'm a very avid outdoorsman. I think that's some of the cleanest protein you can get literally from field to table and knowing exactly where your food comes from. It's very clean. So if someone is interested in that, that is definitely a fantastic source. Fish is also a great source to have. I like to look at salmon, tuna. I like to be a little careful with some white fish. You just need to make sure you know where it's coming from and looking at the label. Sometimes it is genetically modified, which isn't the greatest thing to be focusing on. So just checking out the food labels and making sure that we are intaking enough food to supplement the activities that we're doing. Again, very important to fuel our body. The other thing that we need to focus on is water intake. And I've been really focusing on this with patients lately um, because with this certification, I knew water intake was important, very important, but I didn't realize how important it was and something to talk about with patients with, for instance, they're coming in for knee pain and we're doing all the right things from a therapy standpoint with the manual interventions to the exercise prescription. Patient is doing their home exercise program. And then what I've started to do is do a little screening about nutrition and a little screening about fluid intake because some people just, they've not gotten better to the point where I think they should be and and quite honestly to where they think they should be. There's a little gap that we're missing. What I've found is water intake isn't even close to what it should be. Not even close. And when we talk about it, it, the light bulb kind of goes off with me and with the patient, which has been really, really fun because at that time, both of us have realized that this is the missing link. We're doing everything else right, but we haven't talked about a big part of the puzzle in making sure that we're fueling our body with both the nutrients and the hydration to maximize the improvement that we can do. So what's really important with water intake is to make sure that we are taking in at least 100 ounces. Now, that all depends on your body weight. Something that I think is a general guideline that's very easy to follow is you take your body weight divided by two. So for instance, 200 pound male, getting in at least 100 ounces of water. Female, again, divided by two, let's say 130 pounds, at least getting in 65 ounces of water. The National Academy of Science, what they recommend is 125 ounces for men and 91 for women. I think sometimes we can get too much water in our system, which actually dehydrates us. So if you can also get a little bit of electrolytes mixed in with your water or some tiny bit of sodium, when I say that, if you have any other health conditions, please consult with your doctor first to make sure that you are appropriately dosing the sodium. But more so focus on the electrolyte intake. So that would come from also maybe a banana mixing in with your water. And I don't mean put your banana and mix it in the water. Have a banana, keep drinking your water because that helps your body get that hydration into the muscle itself. If we just take, let's say you get to the end of the day and you're like, oh, I haven't drank any water. Don't fill up a gallon and just drink it as fast as you can. That's actually going to dehydrate you more than it's going to actually help you because eventually you're just going to have it all come out via urination. And if it comes out clear, it's gone right through your system and it hasn't 
hasn't helped you at all. You actually become more dehydrated and you'll feel it on your lips and you'll feel like you're thirsty. So drinking slowly throughout the day, mixing in a, a water bottle that's 20 ounces, 25 ounces, whatever, slowly intaking that water throughout the day is a very easy way. I try to get my water intake done by about six o'clock PM so that you're not up all night going to the bathroom. So you can still excrete as much as you can and be able to sleep through the night and make sure you get the sleep that you need. The third tip that I think is vital to recovery in general is mixing in both passive and active recovery mechanisms. And there's a difference between the two. And with activity, it's important to mix in both. There's a place for both. You can't just have one or the other. I think so many times, whether it's life, whether it's physical therapy, whether it's fitness, we talk in absolutes way too much, way, way, way too much. This can be applied again, I think, to any, 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 any thing in life is one thing that you do, if you do too much of it, it's bad for you. I'm a big, big believer in doing what's best for the patient. And to me, that's mixing in as many different modalities. And when I say modalities, I mean modes of treatment to help them. So passive recovery, for instance, if you just did a very high intense activity and you're super sore, that passive recovery to me comes from a Theragun massage, the Normatec boots that inflate can be I think foam rolling is passive um, you can also go in for a massage have your therapist work more through that muscle passive range of motion and that active recovery what I think is very beneficial is doing a dynamic warm-up or dynamic cool down after activity or even on a day you're super sore is just get your body moving get some blood flowing to me active recovery one of the one of the best things that again I think in my own life that I've missed out on is yoga Yoga is one of the activities that is underdosed. Now, to me, one of the reasons that it's underdosed is because people that are super tight, if they go to a class or they do a video, it's not to their skill level. So making sure that you're doing the activity based on your ability to get into those positions and perform those positions, you gotta make sure that you're at the right skill level, otherwise you're not gonna get anything out of it. And what I really like about yoga that I think it's really under-talked about is in your life, let's say we do a seated hamstring stretch, which in its place is very important. But in your life, when are you just sitting in one static position, stretching your hamstring? It really doesn't happen. If you're walking and you feel like your hamstrings are super tight or going up the stairs, they're super tight or sitting in a car, they're super tight. When you reach from the gas pedal to the brake pedal, that's where yoga, I think, becomes so important because you're stretching that muscle in a dynamic position. You're stretching that muscle in a moving position. You're becoming more fluid with your body. So yoga is one of the most beneficial activities you can do for active recovery. I've been trying to incorporate more in my own life at least once a week, and I've, I've seen such a huge benefit. I think my body's moving better. I feel better. And just finding something that's appropriate for you is critical. I mean, there's videos out there, instructors. There's so much information. If you have problems or want to find somebody, let a physical therapist know or just do a quick Google search, and there's so much information out there. The last tip for recovery that is a last resort to me and something that I think is the hardest to know when you should do it is truly to take time off. And I even tell this to patients sometimes with their home exercise program. Sometimes we get to a point, whether it's you know four, sometimes six weeks. I see this a lot with post-surgical patients as well. 
is sometimes the body just gets into a funk where we've been doing the same things over and over and over and over again and the body just reaches a point where I need a break. Your body actually tenses up to do these activities, you know, whether it's a passive range of motion for your shoulder to gain shoulder motion or it's a strengthening activity for your legs. Sometimes your body just needs a break. You just need a mental break, both physically and mentally from what you're doing, just to kind of reset. I think these are super beneficial. I call them reset days with patients where I tell them, all right, here's what we're going to do. I see you again in four days. What I want you to do, one of those three days in between, now in your next session, all I want you to do is do what you want during the day. Take a mental reset, do whatever you want to do, and just focus on yourself. Forget about your home exercise for a little bit. Do what you want to do. And a lot of times, this is mixed in with vacation. I just had a patient who they went out of the country for the new year. And I said, I want you just to focus on being with your family, enjoy your vacation. I think it worked well. It was a good mental reset. We didn't have enough functional improvement that I was hoping for, but it still was a little bit. Some people, it's night and day difference. Um, I think it's also important just in your daily life if you take an off day just to kind of, again, mental reset. And then you come back the next workout or, or fitness routine and you're ready to go. So taking time off when you just feel run down, if you're feeling sick, if you're just feeling just so mentally fatigued that you don't think you're going to get anything out of it, just taking that time off is critical to being able to move forward. Because again, what we're thinking about is long-term consistency. We're not thinking short-term bust it as hard as you can, and then you're not going to do something for six months. We're thinking long-term consistency. So missing one day, one workout here and there isn't the end of the world. When it becomes a problem is when it becomes a habit. And I always tell people that is if we take a day off today on Monday, if we then take another off day on Wednesday and then Friday, and then we do it again, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then after a couple of weeks, we start doing Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then it keeps growing, then we have a problem. But taking time off every once in a while just to give a mental reset and physical reset is very important just to make sure, again, that we have long-term consistency. So make sure that you address and listen to your body if you need to take that time off. It's critical to that long-term success. So to a little recap here, in order to make sure that we are effectively recovering, A, we need to make sure that we're sleeping seven to nine hours. Again, I talk about the sweet spot being eight hours. We need to make sure that we're hydrating, drinking half of our body weight in ounces per day. We need to make sure that we're eating properly, fueling our body with good nutrients, utilize passive and active recovery mechanisms, as well as taking time off when necessary. So those four, I think, are really good tips to making sure that our body is performing at optimal levels in the future. You can start this today and utilize this throughout your entire life. And if anybody has any questions, please reach out to one of your four locations here at Freedom Physical Therapy, either here in Fox Point, Grafton, Brookfield, or McGowanago. And thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Freedom Talks podcast. If you like the podcast, please, 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 it really helps us. We see all the reviews and we see the comments. Please comment, leave a review for us because it really helps us grow the podcast and reach 
as many potential patients and just listeners as possible. All we're trying to do with this podcast is spread good information and spread positivity to help people improve their lives. So if you feel also that you enjoy the podcast enough, it would help if you shared it on social media. Again, it really helps us. All we're trying to do is spread positivity in the community. Thank you again, everyone, for listening, and we'll see everybody in next week's episode.